0: From MPB Think Radio, this is in Legal Terms, a show all about you and your rights. I'm Sharita Brent, joined by Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. And our guest this morning is Ron Richlack, law professor, and expert on sports and gaming law, and faculty athletics representative at the University of Mississippi. Today, we will discuss various sports topics with legal ties. We'll talk about who represents athletes in a college setting, what's the impact of sports on a university. Also, the NCAA is boycotting North Carolina. We'll talk about that. And later, concussions. Who's responsible? Should the NCAA athletes receive pay? You can give us a call with your comments and questions this morning as we discuss sports and the law. The number is 877-MPB-RING. Or you can send an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. on MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Sharita Brent, joined by Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. And our guest this morning is Ron Richlack, law professor and expert on sports and gaming law and faculty athletics representative at the University of Mississippi. Today we're going to be discussing various sports topics with legal ties, and I also have in studio with me Sam Wells and Jay White, the uh, Season Pass hosts. Season Pass comes on uh, Thursday mornings at 10 if you are don't, listening.
2: So. Don't, don't move it to Monday. <laughs> I don't know if we're ready no, to do
0: it on no. Monday. So uh, there are in, in studio with me as we're going to talk about a variety of things. We'll talk about who represents student athletes uh, in a college setting, what's the impact of sports on a university. Also, the NCAA is boycotting North Carolina. We'll talk about that. And later, concussions. We'll get into who's responsible. You can give us a call at any time, 877-MPB-RING, with your comments and questions, or send an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. Uh, good morning, Professor Rischlach and Professor Gershon.
3: Good morning, Shrede. We're lucky to, to have Ron on today. Uh, he has uh, spoken uh, throughout the country on these issues and been uh, on you know, national broadcast. And most recently on a different topic, he was on a National Geographic special about the, the uh, Pope versus Hitler. Uh, Ron has written extensively in that area and uh, uh, actually is uh, a counsel to the, to the Holy See. So he's a you know, varied interest and really a great, uh, a great guest.
0: Excellent. Good Thanks, morning, Richard,
3: and, and, and hey,
4: Sharita, how are you doing?
0: Doing well. Thank you so much for being on again. It's been a while since we talked about this topic, but there's plenty uh, to talk about today. Um, but we can start first uh, with you giving us an idea about your role as the faculty athletics representative. Uh, what what is your role there?
4: Well, the faculty athletics representative is a position that uh, before there were athletic directors, that was the person on every. College campus who would actually handle that role, schedule the games, uh, you know, hire the coaches. This goes way back. I mean, you'd be you're getting the math professor to, to coach or whatever. It's a, they didn't always have professional coaches. But uh, as it's come along, uh, the NCA requires one person on every campus who is a faculty member to also serve as sort of a liaison between athletics and academics. Um, so I attend the senior leadership meetings of the Uh, athletics department I uh, meet regularly with both the athletic director and the and the chancellor uh, here at the university Uh, I uh, uh, speak to the faculty senate I chair our athletics committee Uh, so I'm very involved uh, speaking to to teams I speak to most of the teams uh, at least once a year Uh, and when we have dealings with the NCAA there are five people on any campus who can call the NCAA on behalf of the university that'd be the chancellor the athletic director the Senior athletic direct, uh, Associate Athletic Director for Compliance, the Women's uh, Athletic uh, Administrator, or Coordinator, and uh, the Faculty Athletic Rep. So it's um, a very involved uh, position.
0: So I- I've read that part of being a faculty athletics representative is uh, kind of maintaining a balance between academics and athletics. Um, what are some issues you see there when it comes to... We're not
4: hearing things on this end, so...
0: Uh-oh. You can't hear us? No. Can hear Oh, that's interesting. Okay, um, we are gonna try to take a, a quick break and uh, see if we can assess the technical issues. Just came
4: back. Oh, okay. You just came next right. back. good. All right. <laughs> welcome back.
0: Okay, I don't know what that is. We were being, trying to be sabotaged here. Um, I was asking a question about, as a faculty representative, um, part of your uh, job, I've read, is to maintain a balance between athletes and academics and uh, athletics. So can you talk about that, any issues that you see commonly when it comes to ath- athletes trying to maintain their grades and be an athlete at the same time?
4: Sure. You know, that that's such a uh, a difficult uh, thing to do because there are, Serious, serious time demands on our student athletes sometimes uh, faculty members will let them sort of shadow our athletes uh, to see how much time they put in in basic training in in practice and watching films and getting taped up and going to various meetings, trying to do all that and at the same time uh, truly be students and go to class and have study hall hours and get their grade point averages. There's a current initiative within the NCAA to um, make certain that there is sufficient time for the athletes to do that. We're trying to make sure that athletes get eight hours um, off each night between the athletic uh, events or whatever, so they get at least eight hours every night, that they get one true day off uh, each week, that they get uh, two weeks off after the season ends, uh, that they get 14 other days in the semester uh, off, and so they're, they're, we're trying very hard to uh, make certain that there is an ability because they're not professional athletes. These are students. These, these these are are you know young men and young women who are are building a career. Most of whom will not uh, you know play sports beyond at a competitive level beyond college. So. You're trying to make sure that they get their degree, that they uh, advance, that they are prepared to go on to the next stage of their life, and and the demands can be such that there's got to be someone kind of looking out, trying to, to make sure that uh, that happens. And I think there's a there's a big staff here at the university and at every university that's uh, trying to to help that happen.
5: Mike, I've got a question for you. old Miss uh, was in the news a little bit. Uh, because uh, one of the members of that staff didn't really look after uh, one of the running backs for the, uh, for, the, uh, for the university, and he missed his eligibility requirement by one hour. Does he have any legal, uh, rem- uh, any, any legal recourse, uh, be it against the university or the NCAA, because of uh, maybe a failure on someone else's part, not necessarily his own, with not being uh, eligible, or does that all fall back on him as far as the NCAA and the, uh, the university is concerned?
4: Well, you know, it's it's a very tough situation when we say that students have to pass a certain number of hours, of course, to remain eligible and to play sports, and that's how it should be because academics should should come first. And if you don't pass the sufficient number of hours in the spring, you can maybe try and make it up in the summer. Uh, the 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 athlete you're talking about did not enroll in enough hours that summer. Apparently, got advice that that, that he had enough, and there was some, some confusion there. But ultimately, you know, these are these are you know, young men and women who are responsible for their own destiny and their future and their responsibility. I've got children in college. If uh, they came home and, and told me, hey, Dad, my advisor told me I didn't need this many hours or whatever, you know, fundamentally I'd say, you know, it's your fault. You're, you're the one who has to be responsible for making certain that you're, do, you know, taking the requirements and, and uh, as unfortunate as it is, that's kind of, there was an appeal filed. That's kind of what the NCAA uh, held uh, in response to the appeal.
0: So, Jay, I'm going to ask you, because you do a lot of following of players and, and, and profiling, um, you know, players. Mm-hmm. Do you think that a lot of these players are under the impression that they're going to end up going pro and that they don't need to take academics seriously? This isn't really a legal question, but just ask him. I,
2: I think that um, uh, it depends on the program. Ultimately, I think the percentage of, of athletes uh, that that feel like they have an above average chance to go pro is is very very small, um, and so it, it, I think a lot of people when they think about college football they think about maybe the SEC, um, the SEC and how many football players there are in the SEC in, in the grand scheme of things uh, is a, a very minuscule uh, percentage of how many college football players there are going to four year colleges and universities in America. And so an overwhelming majority understand that it has to be a balance. And for many of them, uh, especially at non-athletic scholarship offering schools, it's a balance that they i mean—they they are getting to play football while they're getting their education, as opposed to some of these higher profile guys at the schools in the SEC and other uh, major conferences like that, they are going to school so that they can play football mm-hmm. and go to the next level. hmm there, there are athletes like that, but it's a very small percentage.
0: Um, Ron, and, and I wanted to ask you, when it comes to a situation where a player's grades fall and coaches are aware and people are aware and maybe this player is highly valued on a team and his grades are overlooked, um, is there any accountability there? Do, you know, do they get in, in trouble? I mean, who's holding the coaches accountable uh, for players and their grades?
4: Well, there's absolute accountability. We have... Uh, staffs that that are, that are number one trying to make certain that uh, we don't encounter this situation. But if we do encounter this situation, if a student's uh, grades fall, you know, off the table, or that they're not passing enough courses, or they get below, they're actually it used to be it just had to have a like a 2.0. Now it because you, you found everybody taking introductory courses all across the board, so. Uh, They're maintaining a 2.0, but they're not advancing towards a degree. Now we have requirements that you have to have certain percentage towards your major, towards your degree. So they monitor those things very closely. And if someone uh, becomes ineligible, you have to sit them. And we sit them. And if we didn't sit them uh, for the the games when they're ineligible, uh, those games ultimately, you know, they would be forfeited. And so... Um, it, 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 there's significant accountability uh, within the department, and and the athletes are held to that. When someone's getting close, there, there's some warnings. you you'll, um, uh, a lot of times some coaches will, will have uh, penalties that the guys have to get up early and run or do whatever to to make sure that they're they're going to class. We monitor absences very closely, uh, things like that. But but uh, yeah, that's the idea of. The old days where someone really was a football player and not a student, that, that just doesn't happen at this campus, and I don't think it happens hardly anywhere anymore.
0: All right, we need to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to get into some more issues. We'll talk about the impact of sports on a university, and uh, we'll also get into concussions a little later and the NCAA's role in boycotting North Carolina because of House bill uh, a House bill that they say is discriminatory to LGBT communities. So give us a call this morning if you have any questions about sports and academics, uh, athletes and and maintaining good grades. If you have any comments about um, the legal issues dealing with concussions and long-term effects, give us a at 877-672-7464. That's 877-MPB-RING. We do have a few lines open. Linda, we're going to get to you right after the break. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Brent with A Full House Today, joined by Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law and Ron Richlack, law professor, expert on sports and gaming law and faculty athletics representative at the University of Mississippi. And today we're discussing some sports topics with legal ties. Uh, we're talking about the impact of sports on a university. We'll talk about that in just a moment. And also the NCAA is boycotting North Carolina. We'll talk about that and we'll get into concussions and who's responsible. And Um, what I wanted to do, uh, Professor Rischlack, was was try to tie in this idea that um, the impact of sports on a university and the the amount of money they bring into a university. People also wonder, should NCAA athletes be paid because these sports are so popular and they make so much money for these universities? Um, So first of all, let's talk about the impact of sports on a university. I saw this one professor did a a study at the University of California at Berkeley, and one of the things he mentioned was um, each win in top programs can bring in more donations and more in-state students, uh, but the gains are for athletics, not university uh, universities as a whole. Um, and he said the, a one-win increase during the season is associated with $74,000, an increase giving to athletic programs, but no statistically significant increase in non-athletic donations. Um, so just can we talk about that a little bit, the impact of sports on a university in general?
4: Well, yeah, sure thing. I, I attended a, a program about a year ago. A guy had written a book, and he said if, you know, an alien looked down and, and looked at our, our big universities and then saw these athletic uh, uh, complexes built around them, there would be no logical reason why they were tied together. Uh, and, and he wrote a whole book, but it came down at the end and said, you know, the, the thing it seems to be is that it brings enjoyment to not only the, the students, but the faculty, the community, the state. You build an identity around it. So it, you know why it exists. It existed originally, uh, originally sports so were uh, developed in colleges to encourage men to go to college because originally women went to colleges and men didn't and they wanted something to make it more masculine. So that was sort of the, the, the step and it obviously, obviously it's grown to this level. Uh, and and it's, it stays there because people have liked it. In terms of the money it brings in, uh, at most campuses, I think you're right that primarily the money that comes in from football and basketball stays within athletics and is spent on softball and soccer and volleyball and uh, golf and tennis and, and all of the other uh, uh, sports that would not exist, you know, it w- would be an enormous drain on the campus if you didn't have that so uh most athletic departments uh do not break even most of them are are, are money losers if you look across the uh, the nation now if you look at the biggest conferences the sec most of them are break even most of the most of the schools break even or do a little bit better uh some of them um we certainly don't spend send money back to uh, uh academics but uh a lot of campuses the athletic department is paying tuition for its scholarship athletes and so that in fact is money uh, that it's not always counted but it's going towards academics as well but the biggest thing is sort of sort of the spirit and and the the enjoyment and it does make people want to come to school and it does lead to increased donations but i, I think the the purpose uh, of it is is sort of the school spirit and and the the enjoyment that it brings people
0: and so, um, Professor, I want to ask you about the legal implications of this, but I want to pose this question to uh, Jay White and Sam Wells as well, who are in here with me. Um, do you think NCAA athletes or athletes in general should get paid to play sports?
2: I, I, I think I the way I think the way it is constructed currently, no, they should not because uh, they they know what they are getting into when they sign up for it. Mm. Uh, now, what you may want to say is that. Um, that the athletes should be offered a professional minor league as an alternative mm-hmm. to college football, uh, where if they wanted to make money for being good at football, being of a legal age to play it, um, that, that that would be an option for them. Uh, I know it doesn't look good, and it seems uh, like an injustice that you know there are a lot of guys in suits that sit in fancy-looking buildings, and they're millionaires because, you know, 85,000, 90,000, 100,000 people fill up a stadium every day uh, on the backs of these athletes because mm-hmm. if if there was no football game and the players weren't good, there wouldn't be people in that stadium. Uh, but the players, when they when they sign with a school and, and they get that scholarship, they know what the deal is. Mm. Uh, I also think that the narrative that these guys are struggling to get through school as college athletes while, you know, um, the people who run the university are, are doing just fine. I think that's a incorrect narrative. Uh, I, I wish people could see how SEC athletes get taken care of at school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they get perks. Uh, and I, maybe the guys at the university won't say this, but they get perks that regular students do not get.
6: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and there's no doubt about it. They're taken care of. So I, there's, there's two sides of that argument that, that I think – It it, it, when people have that argument, they are either completely for one side or completely for the other, and there are shades of gray in the middle on both sides.
5: I'll take the other side. (laughs) I (laughs) definitely think that there could be a system or something set up that would compensate some of the athletes, namely a. uh, I'll just go, uh, you know, maybe a Dak Prescott at Mississippi State a year ago, or a Chad Kelly at Ole Miss this year, who sells more. You know, the number ten jerseys are hanging in the in the bookstore and things like that. I think uh, special players with special talent who bring more attention to the university, which uh, does increase enrollment. I, I, you know, with, when Eli Manning was at Ole Miss, I'm sure the enrollment went up from 2001 to 2003 when he graduated. Uh, same at Mississippi State. I'm sure uh, their enrollment went up while, while uh, Dak Prescott was do, uh, doing his thing at Mississippi State as well as, you know, some other uh, athletes we don't name, I, that I can't name off the top of my head right now. But uh, I definitely think there could be some sort of system put in place where, uh, you know, uh, maybe uh, a, a little bit of a percentage could go to the those top players who are making the money, or maybe a pay or a, a scholarship that is a, uh, a cost of attendance scholarship as opposed to just a books and uh, room and board and tuition thing.
0: Okay. And Professor, before we get you to respond, I want to give out the number 877-MPB-RING. Listeners, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think athletes should get paid to play college sports? If so, how do you think it should be determined? Call us at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464.
2: Let me make a quick point before we go um, to the legal experts. It's a slippery slope. If you're going to pay one athlete... Do you have to pay every athlete mm-hmm. uh, because there's a there's a Title Nine issue involved there? And then, how much are you going to pay athletes? Are you going to pay football players, um, you know, a percentage relative to what kind of revenue they generate for the university or the athletic department? And if so, are you going to pay the soccer team? Are you going to pay the volleyball team? Are you going to pay the badminton team? Uh, you know, and and that that is where it becomes a slippery slope because not every college that plays sports is the University of Alabama. Right. Um, and th- there are, like I said, I mean, there are a majority of universities where if they got to start paying football players, they're going to shut the athletic department down because they can't afford to pay all of the players.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, Professor Ruslack, like your thoughts on that. Um, are there any even legal considerations that this could be a possibility in the future?
2: Well, before my
3: own response, I want to say one thing that's really important, that these athletes when they get these uh, academic scholarships and room and board scholarships, that's not taxable. I hate to be the tax nerd about this, but that's not taxable. <laughs> if you start compensating these athletes, that will become taxable. You know, what Northwestern athletes were, were pushing you know, for, for compensation would have made their scholarships taxable. And, and really, it would have made, you know, their, the cost of their education actually would go up for them. Uh, so we've got to remember that these, they are getting a free education, most of these athletes, and that's that's a valuable thing, and it's tax free. But Ron, I want... well,
4: yeah, I, I agree, and and uh, I, I agree that are uh, th- a number of things. Employed, you're usually employed, you're paid because you're doing something that, you know, you we compensate you for doing. Uh, in football, if, if somebody's not on the team, there there are ten other guys who would love to have that spot on the team. So uh, the players here are most of them will live better in the three or four or five years that they're here uh, than they have before in their life and most of them more than later in their life. You could pick out maybe special people and pay them, but I think that that goes counter the whole concept of uh, the collegiate experience. There is uh, cost of attendance was brought up. There is now an autonomy group within the NCA. The five biggest conferences, including the SEC, uh, have in, es- in essence created a fourth division within the NCAA uh, that allows those schools to pay full cost of attendance, which means that it sh- it, you, you can have a full college scholarship, but you're still going to go out of pocket a little bit of money because you've got travel and other associated expenses. And most schools cannot afford to go beyond the regular scholarship. The big five conferences can afford to go beyond that because they have got bigger programs, more television revenue. So there is now a cost of attendance uh, a factor uh, that, co- that does provide a little extra money for the full scholarship students uh, at those bigger, bigger conferences. So there's a push forward for those things. Uh, in general, I, I, I believe that our athletes, though, are, uh, are treated very well. And uh, and I think there there would be very significant consequences if we shifted to another model. Baseball does have a minor league, and there, you have a choice there. It'd be nice if if uh, the NBA and the NFL created minor leagues that that would create those options. But uh, that's up to them more than to the colleges.
2: Let, let me let me follow up with a question that's kind of in the direction you were just going right there. Uh, one of the things I I, I don't think the athletes should be paid. Uh, like I said, because when they when they when they sign up for the scholarship, they understand what they are getting. They have full knowledge of what they're walking into. Um, that's not that's not that I think they don't have value, but it, I, I just think it's it's an understanding of what they are about to do for a guy, for example, like Leonard Fournette, who is a running back right now at Louisiana State University. A couple of years ago, a guy named Jadavion Clowney was a, de- a defensive end at the University of South Carolina. These are guys that were forced to play another year of college football because the National Football League has a rule where you cannot be eligible to play in the league until you are at least three years uh, from your high school graduation day. To me, this seems like if, if you are of legal age and you have the ability that, without a doubt, easily would put you in a position where you could make money doing a thing, how is it that a league like the NFL can have a rule that can shut out players that otherwise would be making money, forcing them to go back to school to, I guess, continue to practice the craft of what they're going to make money in, but they they could already do it. That seems like that's a violation of some sort of civil rights to me, especially when the NFL has... um, uh, They they have a... Oh, I just lost my train of thought. They they are... um, They're not considered... um, they're not considered uh, interstate commerce, mm-hmm. basically. Well,
4: you know, I mean, they're unionized, so the union can set regulations, uh, and I think that's probably the the number one factor there. But if you think about it, if the NFL permitted a twenty year old to play, and he comes out and he suffers a serious injury, uh, if you are a plaintiff's attorney, will you take that case to sue the NFL, saying, you know, for the past forty years, you haven't let kids this age play, now you let someone play? <laughs> there's potential legal liability on that side of the coin for the NFL too. But I think probably as much as anything, it's the union. If the union wanted to push for younger players, it could happen. But, but uh, the union, that's not in the union's benefits in the union's benefit, probably to, to keep the rule as it is.
0: All right. couple calls to get to, we go first to Patty and Jackson. Good morning, Patty. What do you have for us? Patty, you there?
6: Yes. I'm sorry. Yes, I have,
0: okay. I have a question. Um,
6: I, I'm concerned about athletes that don't intend to play in the pros or beyond college. They're just playing for fun now. But what 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 sustains them with, when they have injuries beyond college with no health insurance and um, they're family oriented? They got kids, they got a wife, and they're suffering from the injuries that they that occurred while they were playing. So I, I just I don't see them getting paid. Um, Check for cash but I, I see them getting better compensated for life beyond um, the college campuses and I'll, I'll get off the line and let you answer that please thank you
0: all right patty good comments and question any thoughts uh, professor Richlet?
4: sure well you know if there's someone who suffers an injury while they are playing uh, here as a, a college student at, at the University of Mississippi uh, the insurance will cover them going forward for any uh, related issues to that uh, to that injury if they develop a chronic thing that shows up later, that, that's a, you know that's a different matter. You, you know, I mean, those things happen to people. They can happen from a car accident. They, you know, but but uh, in general, the the health insurance and, and the benefits provided at uh, large schools like the SEC schools, at least I'm, I'm, I can't speak for every school. I don't know, but they're pretty good in terms of the health support. We ha- we've got a tremendous staff here uh, on campus who who looks out for people. That, uh, on a very regular basis.
5: Ron, speak to that uh, about, about folks signing uh, players, being able to sign those insurance policies. Is it uh, limited to just uh, maybe the ones who could, uh, you know, maybe Chad Kelly has an insurance policy on his arm or something like that uh, going forward in the NFL. If he hurts himself, he's compensated, uh, you know, after, if, if some injury should occur. Uh, does, every, does every player get the right to sign that, or is it just the uh, a, a select few that possibly have a, a, a possibility of playing in the NFL?
4: Right, okay, so, th- yeah, that, that's a different type of insurance than I was thinking about, but that's new also with the autonomy group. Uh, so you're you're going into your senior year, and you appear to be a, a Chad Kelly or, or a Dak Prescott or someone who's going to have a great future, uh, but you're going to play a season in college, and you could ruin your arm, or, and, and, and your whole career is gone. Uh, prior to the autonomy group within the uh, NCAA, uh, there was – I, I suppose anybody can privately buy um, insurance to cover something like that, but most college students aren't going to have the money to actually contract with Lloyds of London or whoever sells that kind of insurance and, and, and buy insurance uh, to protect their future career. Uh, however, now with the autonomy group, there is the ability for the colleges to uh, facilitate a, a borrowing against future earnings, so you're mm-hmm. Zach Prescott you're expected to make millions of dollars next year we're, we're going to borrow a hundred thousand of that or 50,000 or whatever it is uh, to buy an insurance policy for your senior year that used to be prohibited by NCAA regulations that is now permissible within the autonomy group within the, the big five conferences which is where the players who are most likely to have this are um, y- you know going to be gonna going be in most cases Uh it's only a, a very select handful who are going to qualify for that kind of insurance uh, you know or, or who would you know con- consider having it uh, but those ones who for whom it makes sense it is no longer prohibited by the NCA as it used to be.
2: I was you mentioned qualified I was going to ask you how that works is it is it is it um, whoever the insurer is is it at their discretion who winds up getting a policy like that and who does not?
4: Uh, yes, I'm. I'm. Th- that, that's the way I'm thinking of it in terms of the insurer. The insurer, you know, there. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me to go insure my arm, right?
5: <laughs> but I wonder if, know? if, I don't know, know, Ron, if Ron, there. let see. Players, let's see, let's see throw a little bit.
2: If there are players that that might kind of be on um, on the the cut line, so to speak, or right on the edge, if there's some sort of uh, uh, qualification process, or or if yeah, it's I, just a decision that uh, that the insurer makes whether or not that person. Uh, has the ability
4: to. Yeah, I've I've been involved in a couple discussions about this. I've never heard of hard and fast line of what it is. It usually usually boils down to, you know, there's only going to be one or two people on any team who who are going to be interested. And, and by the way, you know, we're talking about letting that person buy something. So, it's, you know, you're going to have to make that decision. Is it worth, you know, let's suppose it's $20,000 for you to insure your arm uh, for next year, you, you got to you know. Do you want to spend twenty thousand dollars of your future earnings uh, to do that? And you might decide yes. You might decide, geez, no, man, I don't think my arm's going to get hurt. You might not do it. So it's, there's sort of a, a, a self limitation on it as well.
0: All right, we need to take a quick break. Pat, I don't mean to keep you holding, but we do need to get this break in, so you'll be up next right after the break. And we do have some lines open if you want to join the conversation. We're talking about sports this morning and some legal issues uh, dealing with sports. You can give us a call at 877 MPB Ring. Uh, Do you think college athletes should be paid to play? If you have any thoughts on who you think should be responsible for their injuries, things like concussions, give us a call at 877 MPB Ring. We do have some lines open. 727464. Still to come, we'll talk about the NCAA's role in boycotting North Carolina because of a controversial state law. We'll be back in just a moment. welcome back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sharita Brent in studio with Jay White, Sam Wells, and we are also joined by Professor Rich Gershon and Professor Ron Richlack, and we're talking about uh, various sports topics with legal ties this morning. Uh, We've talked about the impact of sports on a university, and right now we're asking you listeners, do you think college uh, athletes should be paid to play sports, and also who do you think should be responsible if they suffer any kind of injury? Do you think the league should be responsible uh, long-term injuries? Who do you think should be responsible for those things and we're still going to talk about the ncaa's role in boycotting north carolina uh, because of a discriminatory law controversial law uh, pat has been waiting very patiently in jackson uh, oh by the way the number is 877 mpb ring if you want to join the conversation eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four or email legal terms at org. pat and jackson thank you so much for holding what is your question for
6: question. What is the legal relationship between uh, member universities and the NCAA? And second, do universities have any avenue to pursue when they feel that they have been wronged or harmed by actions of the NCAA? All
0: right. Thanks for that question, Pat.
4: Yeah, thanks, Pat. That was a great question. The NCAA is, in essence, a club of. Universities, the the uh, universities, the conferences came together and said, we want someone to standardize rules. We want someone to make sure that uh, if I'm playing amateurs, you're playing amateurs. We want someone to make sure that, uh, uh, you, you know, you're not going to promise stuff that I can't give. That, it's sort of created a, a police department for itself. And uh, there has been litigation, but, you know, really the – the answer that has almost always come back is you can leave the NCAA if you want to leave the NCAA, the presidents or chancellors of the universities can vote to change policies of the NCAA. Whenever a school is, feels put upon by the NCAA, that's when people want to leave, want to want to vote for change. But the, the surprising thing, the other schools don't want to do it so much. Then they, you know, we're, we're willing to watch USC take its sanctions or, or, uh, you know, uh, as SMU when they got the death penalty, or or uh, UNC or, or Syracuse recently, um, and we're willing to, to let the NCAA come down on those schools. Uh, it's when they're looking at us here at Ole Miss. We're thinking, gee, the NCAA is out of hand, and surprisingly, the other schools are are not uh, joining with us uh, against the NCAA. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's the rub. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, Pat. Thank you for that call. Uh we go next to Valerie who's on the road. Good morning, Valerie. What do you have for us?
6: Yes. Uh I had a couple a comment and as well as a question. My comment was that um as a it sounds as if you're discussing possibilities of disability insurance like to cover hands and, you know, legs or whatever, which is what physicians also do. You do get disability insurance as physicians and surgeons and some particular specialties to cover various parts of our body, our minds, you know, our, if it's, our brain is injured or if there's any cognitive deficit because of our type of practice. So that's one comment. And then my question was, I do have a relative who had who played football for college. And while playing football, got a traumatic brain injury, got an accident, the school calls to ambulance, he gets knocked out. And the ambulance takes him to the local nearest hospital. He's having a stroke. They didn't take him to the tertiary care hospital. That's number one. Are there any responsibilities or risks on the school for where the ambulance takes him as as a student? The second thing is he has recovered, but are there any going forward, more than just insurance, he's still a student. Are there any fees such as, I don't know if there's stipends or anything as being a football player, you know, an athlete the school, that he is due or will be cut off or he should continue to get, you know, what happens with those kinds of things and then, of course, with his injury going forward. Thank you.
0: Okay, Valerie, thank you for that question. Uh, Professor Rischleck, right, uh, any thoughts?
4: Well, uh, the, 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 uh, I hadn't thought about physicians getting the insurance, but that that's a, a, an interesting and, and very logical thing. In terms of the, uh, the injured students, I mean, you know, the, the school's responsibility is to have, uh, to have uh, someone there to treat, to deal with the matter. They call an ambulance. I mean, if the ambulance goes to the wrong place, I don't know if the school's responsible for that. You'd have to f- know more details about how and why and those kind of things to answer that question. Uh, in terms of uh, when the uh, uh, her relative returned to school, Uh, I know at most of the bigger schools here at Ole Miss, uh, Ole Miss would continue to honor the scholarship uh, even if the uh, student was unable to continue uh, playing. So you still would would have your, uh, you know, whatever whatever it was. If it was a full scholarship, you'd still have a full scholarship uh, uh, in terms of being a student. So you would honor that. Um, I uh, uh, other than that, and uh, other schools, it may be different. Smaller schools may not be able to afford those things, and it may not have been a full uh, scholarship, I don't know. But uh, certainly the approach we take here is to take care of athletes. And and I think across the SEC, I'm, I don't want to speak beyond my knowledge, but I think within the SEC, any SEC school would uh, uh, take care of their uh, injured athletes and sometimes go Uh, well uh, beyond what uh, you might expect. I mean, you know, the the guy who's been, I I work on Chucky Mullen Street here. He's a football player who was paralyzed in a football game, and uh, the uh, university stepped up in a big way to help him out through the rest of his life.
0: Okay, Valerie, thank you so much for that call. Um, And I wanted to ask specifically about concussions. Um, I read that there was a, a concussion act, a youth concussion act signed into law, In 2014 in Mississippi, Um, can you talk about that? What are the details of that act and this idea of return to play procedures? um, How coaches are educated on concussions and and training staffs and things like that? You know, when to pull um, an athlete out on a youth or college level.
4: Well, we know so much more about concussions today than we did uh, even five years ago. Uh, If you see a child who experiences any of the symptoms that make you think it might be a concussion, don't put them back in the game. Don't trust them when they say, I'm okay. Uh, and understand that it, the, the effects of a concussion may go on. They used to say, you know, give it a week. Uh, today we know that it, it, it varies. It may be two weeks. It may be three days. It, it, it doesn't, you, you can't tell. What we do now, in the, again, in the autonomy group, these are, are, are the five biggest conferences. Uh, there now is a concussion doctor at every game. Uh, we do readings uh, so that every player, you know what their background is. If they have a uh, experience a hit that suggests there might be a, a concussion, this neutral uh, medical personnel, neutral doctor who's not affiliated with, with either school, comes down and makes the call. So you don't have a school doctor who is pressured by the coach to get him back in there. You don't have a team trainer or, or a coach making that decision. You've got someone making it for the uh, good of the student-athlete. It's a fairly expensive thing to make sure you have, you know, because you got to get a doctor probably who's not in town because you don't want a, a fan there. It's a fairly expensive thing to have someone there just for that purpose, and that person may be called upon maybe two times, three times a season. But... In the autonomy games, every Mississippi State or Ole Miss game, you're going to have uh, a concussion expert at the game there to make the call about anybody who uh, suffers a hit that, that suggests they may have a concussion.
0: All right, we're going to take our final break. When we get back, uh, we'll uh, wrap wrap up the show by uh, talking about the NCAA's role in boycotting North Carolina uh, because of a controversial state law uh, that many say is discriminatory to the LGBT community, so we'll talk about the specifics of that, and you can still join the conversation. We have some time left if you want to talk with us about uh, anything involving sports and legal ties. Do you think that professional, uh, or rather college athletes, should be paid to play in college? Also, if you have any thoughts about who should be responsible for their injuries uh, if there's potential for long-term damage who do you think should be responsible for financially or medically for those injuries 877 mpb ring is the number to join the conversation all our lines are currently open 877-672-7464 or email legal terms at mpbonline.org this is think radio
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit MPBOnline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
0: And welcome back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Brent in studio with Sam Wells and Jay White, and joining us as well. Professor Richard Gershon and Professor Ron Richlack of the University of Mississippi. And today we've been talking about sports topics with legal ties. Um, And I've been teasing this all show. We wanted to talk uh, briefly before we get to Barry, who's on the line, about the NCAA's role in boycotting North Carolina uh, because of a controversial state law that many critics believe is discriminatory to the LGBT community. Uh, So, Professor Richlack, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, I read that the NCAA recently said it would pull Seven championship tournament games out of North Carolina because of this law. Uh, Talk—it's uh, House Bill Two. Uh, so, talk about that connection between the NCAA taking a political stand, many would say, and uh, kind of punishing uh, North Carolina for supporting this law because they're going to lose a whole lot of money uh, because of this situation. So, your thoughts on that and the, the legal implications?
4: Right. Well, it, it's interesting. Um, the NCAA. This is the way it, it has uh, punished the state of Mississippi, by the way, for the uh, our state flag. Uh, it used to, to apply to South Carolina because uh, they used to fly the rebel battle flag as well. Um, if you earn the right to a tournament, there's there's some sports where you do that. For instance, soccer, baseball, softball. Uh, if uh, you earn the right to host a tournament, those are unaffected, but there are some Tournaments that are scheduled in advance and the biggest one, of course, being basketball Uh, and the NCAA has pulled uh, the uh, the games from North Carolina. And the the question is whether it was um, invoke involving itself too heavily in politics because of that. This is, of course, is the 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 gender in the bathrooms and all, all that issues. Uh, last week, uh, the Division One faculty athletic reps met in Dallas, and Oliver Lock, uh, Luck, Oliver Luck, the uh, father of um, Andrew Luck, quarterback for the Colts, and he and Oliver is uh, like the number two man at the NCAA now. Uh, spoke to our group, and he he talked about this, and he made a point that that I had completely been oblivious to, and everyone I've talked to didn't think about. He said very important to that decision was the fact that states and some uh, city governments have uh, put travel bans on uh, state entities going to North Carolina. So Massachusetts, for instance, I think he said Connecticut and maybe New York, have said we will not reimburse uh, official travel going to the state of North Carolina. He said, well, now, if you're having a tournament and you find out that uh, these teams cannot travel to your host site north carolina and and because they won't be reimbursed by the state under state law for travel uh, can you really fairly schedule a tournament there Uh, what how will that impact the competition so you you know we all think of it in in political terms and obviously there's a political overtone and it flows from the politics in these other states but but oliver luck made the point it was very much a, a competitive athletic decision that said we don't want to schedule a tournament at a place where teams who would be competitive in that tournament will be effectively precluded from traveling.
0: All right. Uh, we're going to jump to the calls really quickly. Barry is on the road. Just one call, actually, with a question. Good morning. Barry, what do you have for us?
6: Yes, ma'am. Well, you brought that up while I was listening. I, I, I Personally, I don't think it should be a political thing, but that's, that's altogether different. But I did want, and, and also I think, Athletes should be paid, and, but that's another story. But, but my question that I told, I think it was Kevin, was that I was wondering, Mr. Mullins, Chucky Mullins, when he was playing for Ole Miss and was uh, was injured and then you know subsequently passed away, was, was his family or was he taken care of in his situation?
4: Yeah. I, you know, I don't know all the details. I do know that the family that cared for him that took over, uh, was essentially provided with, with a house, t- uh, to keep him. And yes, they were, uh, they, and they sacrificed tremendously. This this family that in essence adopted Chucky and cared for him, but the university, uh, significantly contributed to what they did. And, uh, you know, that that's within NCAA policy to, to for what happened And the, you know. N.C.A. As silly as things seem sometimes, they're made up of reasonable people. When when you're taking care of a kid who's been so seriously injured.
0: Okay. okay.
6: Thank you so much. I really enjoy your program, and thank you so much. Bye
0: bye. All right, Barry. Thank you so much for your call. Uh, we have about thirty seconds uh, left here, Professor Rischlak. Uh, Sam, did you have any?
5: Uh I was just curious, Professor, if they, uh, if either one of you guys have have, uh, have old Miss and the NCAA uh, and, and Mississippi State as well, had in Southern Miss and anybody really in the state had any conversation with the NCAA about how this ban might be, uh, the, the the state flag ban might be extended to all sports.
4: Well, I think we're afraid that would happen. We, we don't want it to, to be expanded beyond where it is. And with the universities not flying the flag, there's actually some talk about can we get them to lift the ban that's on us. Uh, I know that's a very controversial m- point in and of itself. But there is a, a little method maybe in, in the madness there that if, if we're not flying the flag, can't they open up those tournaments to our campuses again?
0: mm. All right. Well, Professor Richlack, thank you so much for being in today. We really appreciate it. Uh, Professor Gershon, you as well. And thanks to my co-workers, Sam Wells and Jay White, the co-hosts of Season Pass, which comes on Thursday mornings at 10, for joining me this morning. Uh, Jonas Adams was my board operator. Kevin Farrell was a call screener. If you didn't get to send in your uh, question, call us with a question. You can always email us at legalterms at mpbonline.org. Don't forget, we have a podcast. So if you want to listen to some past shows of In Legal Terms, you can uh, find us on your podcast app or go to mpbonline.org and search in legal terms mpb that's going to wrap us up coming up next relatively speaking on southern remedy with dr susan buttress this is think radio